they know you for a reason. Your, your connection with them was designed by God Himself in order to bring change and benefit and blessing. So there'd be, a, 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 there'd be something that went either one direction or both. All right? But sometimes people you meet, you know, the Lord, someone's been praying for them. Someone that you don't even know. I mean, have you ever prayed for someone? (laughs) I have. What's the answer to to those prayers? Often, often, it is that, that the Lord will arrange an appointment with someone else whether it's a stranger or a known person, but he'll arrange a relationship. So if God will do that for someone else based on your prayer, what might he do based on someone else's prayer? Sometimes we're the connection. Sometimes we're the one. So be, be spiritually minded. I wouldn't want to encourage you. Be mindful of these thoughts. Don't be quick to dismiss everything as coincidental or just by chance. But look inside. If you're a believer, look inside and say, hey, well, what's going on here? Well, something's happening here. I've had situations, and I would say most of the time it's not the case, uh, but I've had times at restaurants where the, the, the server standing there, I know for, it's just as we talk, you know, about food and stuff. <laughs> we talk, I know, man, we're supposed to say something here. There's something that was arranged. This is a God appointment. Every, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see a vision or, hear, or, or see, an, uh, see an angel that said, hey, sit at this table or sit in this person's section. No, but I knew as, while speaking. And then most of the time it's not that way. It's just, hey, how's it going? It's just, you know, you're just going about life. But as a believer, be aware. And if the Spirit moves you, prompts you, act. Because He wants to help them. And He'll also send people to you, by the way. And they'll be prompted. They'll be moved to act. And, uh, and this is how, how the kingdom of God often works. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, that was extra. That was by the Spirit just for individuals today. I'm glad I came to church, even if that's all I got right there. I'm going to be stirred to help people. They're going to be helping me, and it's going to be a God thing all over the place. Amen. I, I want to continue today. Uh, and, so, and so I'm saying that, by the way, if, if, you, if I'm, while I'm speaking that, you're like, oh, yeah. You know that you can, you can tell the witness of the Spirit when one person speaks by the Spirit and the same Spirit is within, talking about the Holy Spirit, same Spirit is within another person, he on the inside says, yes, yes, amen, that's right. I don't mean in those words per se, but you, you, you have a knowing inside. That's the Spirit of God. He's helping. He's guiding me. He's, he's wanting to do some things in my life. And so if you know that, then giddy up. Get ready. You're about to have some excitement. Life will not be boring as he leads and guides and directs you all through the day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I want to continue teaching uh, along some lines today that we have been on the last several weeks. If you're new with us this afternoon, we're so glad you're here. And and these these teachings, they do stand alone and, and they work all by themselves, but they're best if built upon one upon another. And so you can access these on the website and watch and and listen, and download, and, and reenact it if you want, and <laughs> uh, make crayons, picture, whatever you want to do. But they're available to you to help and assist in your spiritual life. Um, I want to I want to begin with reading these three scriptures. Okay, we've been sharing these with you, and so to get us up to speed, let me remind you of the subject matter. We're talking about what fixes everything. Okay, and what fixes everything is the it is the specifics of what you believe. Okay, I call it the power of right believing. 
or, or the power of what you believe, okay? And First John chapter 5 and verse 4 reads this way, uh, whatsoever is born of God uh, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith, all right? And so I just need to have the right, I need to have faith specific, not just general faith. I believe everything or I believe no specific faith in any given circumstance. That'll put me over in life. How many know if you have faith in salvation and eternal life, Jesus dying for your sins, that'll put you over the hump concerning salvation, eternity, heaven to come. It'll put you over that hump, but you can have salvation, but not necessarily have any faith for other areas of your life. You could really be struggling through life, even though you're going to end up in heaven one day. And if anything you're going to have faith in, that would be the one to get right. <laughs> uh, however, I think the Lord wants to help us in all areas of life. And so do I, what do I need? I need God's word on the specifics of any given situation so I can have faith in that area and thereby be an overcomer. Yeah. Amen. And then uh, Jesus in Matthew nine twenty nine uh, was ministering to two guys who were blind. And just to get right to the meat of it, the end of that, Matthew nine twenty nine. then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. All right. Now contrast that again, not according to my power, not according to God's will, not according to some mysterious plan, or you're the lucky one and you got selected today. No, he said, because of what you believe, your eyes are, o- are open now. Because of what you believe. So if their faith would cause their eyes to be open, what about my faith? Could it cause my eyes to be open? Or my skin to be healed? Or my bills to be paid? Or, 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 or any other number of needs I might have or things that I deal with? Could my faith put me over in life? According to Jesus, again and again and again, the answer would have to be yes. If you've never been taught that way or been instructed along these lines, you might think it's that most of these events are out of your control. They're all up to God. But Jesus didn't teach that. That's modern day religion that wants to have no kind of blame in any situation. It's never about me. It's all about God. I have zero control in what happens in my life. Okay? No, no, no. You have a lot more control than you think you do. Uh, You have a lot more influence on your experience and the outcome of your life than you realize it's not all up to Him. Amen. And then the last one is Mark nine twenty three, uh, talking to this father who had the son who was demon-possessed and having seizures. And uh, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Wow, that kind of takes the lid off, doesn't it? <laughs> you mean anything? I can do anything if I just believe? I know some might question that, and they say, well... What do you mean anything? I can do anything. Can I go to Mars if I believe? Yes. But you don't believe that. So that's the, that's the solution. <laughs> Everybody with me? Well, could I just pray and, and God will give me 100 oil, well, 100 oil wells? <laughs> yes, if you believe that. If you don't, don't pray that. See, this, this doesn't live in, in fantasy realm. It's not wishing. It's not magic. It's not, I'm just going to pick something. No, it's true belief. And the truth is, I can't believe everything. I can't believe, uh, you know, I can't believe and I'm going to create another planet Earth. I don't have a promise on that. I don't have a a word from God. But wherever there is um, a word from God, I have the potential to believe. If I have a promise, if I have a statement, if I have a word from Him, I can believe that and bring bring it to pass. Everybody with me today? 
All right? So you see how this opens the limit. Everything happens by faith. What do you mean everything? Yeah, everything. Those aren't my words. They're Jesus' words. All things are possible. Praise God. And so, continuing along these lines, I, I, I recognize that there is a seen world and an unseen world. We've, last couple of weeks, we've talked about the reality that the Scripture teaches us that God created things that are visible, and He created things that are invisible. One is not more real than the other. It's not that the visible is real and the invisible is just not. <laughs> no, they both exist simultaneously, but God did not want us to see everything, but He did want us to believe and access the unseen realm for our benefit and for the benefit of others. But He's the one who designed and said it would be unseen. Very interesting that He wanted it to be that way, yet that's what's required when, when, when the life of faith is, is in play. All right, we walk by faith and not by sight. Not by sight. Why? I want to see stuff. God doesn't want you to. <laughs> At least not initially. He wants you to believe things that you can't see, and your believing in the unseen realm causes them to come into the seen realm. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so I've seen this to be the case. Even when it comes to things like temptation, I recognize there are multiple components uh, to, a, to someone being tempted. If you've ever been tempted, you, you recognize this, that, uh, that there's something in you that's called desire. And then there's something on the outside called uh, the tempter, meaning the devil or demonic spirits, whatever you want to say. James made this statement about it in James 1.14. He said, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Notice the two components, your own desires and then the enticement. What if someone doesn't have a desire to do something? They cannot be enticed to do it. It's, It's the reason why some individuals are tempted in some areas, but not others. Some of us struggle with some things, but other things, you look at other people and think, why are you even having a problem with that? Well, it's because there's something in them that the enemy is going, boop, boop, boop. He's enticing. He's, if there's nothing in there, he doesn't have anything to work with. That's what my goal. I don't want to give the enemy anything to work with. He comes at me, ah, man, there's nothing I can even entice there. He doesn't want anything but God. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? And I don't mean that I've arrived at some place where I'm beyond temptation and any one of us can be tempted at any time, but uh, I can remember even as a, as a teenager, I was around some different individuals at times and wasn't necessarily good, uh, but people, I was around different individuals doing drugs and things, and I remember being in a, in a pickup truck and these guys are handing the joint past me and, uh, and passing it, asking me, you want some of this? And I'd say, No. <laughs> And very interesting, though, the, it's in the air, it's all around, these people are doing this stuff. And I wasn't even tempted. I mean, I could have easily gone down that path, but for me, whatever reason, it was like, no, I don't want that. Now, it's not, if you ever struggle with I don't encourage you to get in the middle seat. Uh, <laughs> you know, the bench seat there. Uh, you don't want to, Especially if, you know, you struggle in that area. But for some reason, I never went down that path and I never did those things. I just, I just wasn't interested. The enemy had nothing on me in that area. All right. 
And, and, but other, I recognize that other people do struggle in that area and other areas. There's different things. But again, it starts with what's in there that he can poke at. Yeah. And here's what I want. And here's, the, here's my advice from a positive perspective. I want to give God something to work with. All right. I want to put enough of his word in me that he can come and stir that up. But what if, what if God doesn't have anything to work with? What if I'm not meditating and putting God's word in my life day and night continually? Then he comes to me. There's no material there to build something amazing with. Huh? One of the things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit is he said when he comes, he's going to show you things to come. All right? But here's the other one I meant to talk to you about. <laughs> Instead of that one, is, is maybe that was, I don't know. That was oops, but maybe it's, it's good anyway. Uh, but he, Jesus said he would remind you of things that I've said. How many know... The Holy Spirit can't remind you of something you've never minded. It has to get in your mind before you can have a remind. Yeah? And sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to come and do something in your life and He's looking for material. He's looking for promises, looking for words from God. And He's like, the only thing He can find in there is the bachelor and the, and the, the bachelorette and, 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 and the voice and, you know, and whatever, all these, these, these shows. And that's all that's in there. It's like, ah, oh, there's nothing to remind this person of. That's why we do what we do right here, right now. We meditate on the Word. We get taught. We put these things in us so God has something to work with. I want to starve the enemy of any material, and I want to enrich God with all the abilities that, uh, that He can bring to the table. Praise God. Amen. When it comes to this faith walk, I've discovered that there are uh, issues that relate to timing. Um, The way I like to say it is this. I need to get the past, the present, and the future in the the right place in my thoughts and even in in my beliefs. There There are many believers today, Christians, who uh, they confuse and they mix up what God has done with what He is doing with what He is going to do. And, and often so much is put in the wrong category. And so all of their speaking, their praying, their singing, their worship, very often it all gets put into the future category. And it's all about wanting God to do it when the reality is some of that's in the he is doing it. And some of that's in the, he already did it. And if I'm trying to get God to do something now that he has already done, then how can he answer that? Uh, years ago, in fact, I did a series called, It's Already Done. Spent week after week on just basically going through the scripture and showing you past tense, past tense, past tense, past tense, past tense. And I found that to be very true in the New Testament. That you'll see over and over again, you are blessed, you are delivered, you are healed, you are set free, you have this. And there's so many past tense words. Even, In fact, even the prayers of the New Testament. You know, in Ephesians and Colossians or different books where it lists out these prayers. They're awesome prayers, but you know what they're not? They're not God help us, God save us, God heal us, God deliver us, God do these things for us, God provide. No, you know what it is? Father, 
Help me to see. Open my eyes. Give me a revelation. Give me knowledge of what you've already done. Show me the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's all pointing to things already accomplished, basically, that we would know about it. We'd see it. We'd understand it so we could benefit from it. You see how that's a big difference from from how many Christians pray today? Everything's, Lord, help, Lord, do, Lord, save, Lord, deliver, Lord, do this for me. And it should be, Lord, show me what I already have. Show me what's already done. Reveal to me so I can enjoy the benefits of it and walk in your amazing plan. Amen. Did you you find 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Should we get started now? (laughs) And this is really just an illustration of this point, and I just wanted to show you how how this thinking is in the the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9 reads, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And so he's given a big example here. He said, he said, this is people outside of the kingdom of God. This is how the world lives. This is how they act. This is how they think. This is some of the practices they're involved in. And I want you to know, they don't get saved. In other words, they're not going to heaven. They're, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But I want, you to tell you, I want to also show you what he's not saying here. He's not saying anyone who's ever committed any of these acts, or even if it was yesterday, he's not saying that person is not going to heaven. Like if you ever commit one of these sins, that you're going to hell now as a result of that. That's not what he's saying. He's describing the unregenerate lifestyle, the things that are normal outside of Christ. But here's what's very interesting, how he goes on to say in verse 11, and such were some of you. Everybody say were. Were. That's past tense. He said, you guys, this is the way it used to be. But, but, you were washed. Not looking for a washing. But you were sanctified. Not, Lord, sanctify us. Not praying for sanctification. He said, but you were justified. Not, Lord, make me right with you. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so I want you to consider this. He gives this list of all these behaviors. And he said, you get, you get, by the way, this used to be you guys. Do you think for, that in this church, this is the church at Corinth, all right? Um, uh, the church at Corinth was a very carnal church. God was moving. But they were fighting amongst themselves. They had all kinds of issues. And through this book, Paul pointed a bunch of them out. He said, would you guys knock this off? In fact, they were getting drunk during communion. That would be called a drunkard. That was in the list. Do you think think that when this letter was read to the church at Corinth, Paul wrote it, and then they would read it to the church, and he he gave this list. Do you think some of them were sitting there uh, tapping their feet going, oh, junk. I did that like this morning. <laughs> uh, I did that like yesterday. In fact, man, I'm struggling with that. And these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Am I even saved? Think that was possible? Yes. In fact, if you read the whole letter, like I mentioned a couple examples, you will find that many of these things were happening in the church at that time. And you know what he also said to them? He said, such were some of you. 
You know, they were that, even though some of them were still doing that. He didn't say, you are this. He said, you were that. Even though some of them were still practicing those very things, he didn't label them with, you're an adulterer. You're a reviler. You are this particular sin. He said, no, you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been justified. You have been sanctified. And if you looked at him, you would have thought, Paul, are you serious? I think they still need a little bit of that. What, is the, what does this have to do with, with the life of faith? It goes like this. Am I speaking, thinking, believing about myself in accordance with what I see and feel and maybe a current struggle? Or do I say, independent of what's going on, I am washed. Not arrogantly, but thankfully. Boldly. I am cleansed. I am sanctified. I am justified. And someone says, I know, but you lied this morning. (laughs) But that's not who I am. I'm not saying it's okay. We shouldn't justify these things and say, oh, excuse me. You know, no, we take full responsibility for our actions, but we also determine what we're, who we're going to identify with. Am I going to identify with my old life, the way I used to be, who I was before Christ, even if I'm still dealing with some of those issues? Or do I identify with Christ and say, this is who I am today? See, the world wants you to identif- identify with what your, your struggle is. Label you, bam, you're this, you're that, and go through the list. Especially when it comes to sexual things, they totally want you to, uh, to bear a label that says, I am a this. No, you are not. If you are in Christ, you are washed, cleansed, sanctified, separated. You're holy and you're righteous before Him. If you have a struggle, that's another thing. Let's deal with it. But we deal with it from a position of victory, declaring what He says, not describing and articulating again and again and again what we feel and what we see. Everybody Okay. I tell you, the Lord's helping us to see this, helping us to get a hold of this. And the purpose is so that we will walk by faith and not by sight. We are not to be experts at describing what's wrong. We acknowledge past tense fact, reality in Christ. We are this. Uh, People do this all day long with healing. They're always trying to get God to do it. But if you study carefully the scriptures, you'll find out that he already did it. And the revelation is of what he has done previous to now on our behalf. And again, now watch. The sight-led, faith-led, or sight-led, feeling-led person will say, Well, how can I be healed? Because look. Or I got this problem. You're saying I'm already healed. Totally am. Saying you're already forgiven, you're already healed, you're already blessed, you're already prosperous. Those things are present tense realities in the Spirit by God. So what's our part then? To acknowledge it, to believe it so without any physical evidence of it, that brings it into manifestation. That's how spiritual things work. Not putting us in a position of pause, waiting for someday, hopefully, maybe, might be, God will do it and make it happen. No, He made it happen. So we got the past tense, we got the present tense. You know what's present? I should be aware of present tense realities, like His abiding presence in my life. I'm not praying for the Holy Spirit to come. I'm not looking for God to come. Nope, He said He'd never leave me or forsake me. This is present tense reality. He's already with you. He's always there. Um, 
We have the promises of God. If you're a Christian, they belong to you. They are your rightful possession as a child of God, as a member of God's eternal kingdom. You have his promises. Hallelujah. I tell you, this is, this, is, this is good news. All these things belong to us today. We're accepted in the beloved. We have authority in Jesus' name. They're there. They're here for our, for our use. I, I like to think of it like the buffet. Anyone ever been to a buffet? Come on, say it out loud. Thank God, Thank God. for buffets. All right. <laughs> Someone that most might say, deliver me from the buffet. All right. <laughs> but how many know at the buffet, uh, the main goal at the buffet is to get past the cash register. Yeah? Because on one side of the cash register, you have nothing. On the other side of the cash register, you have everything. As soon as you get past the cash register, the whole place belongs to you. <laughs> you can go up again and again without guilt and shame. All right, maybe just from overeating, but, you know, but other than that, you want to go up to the dessert bar again? You're not looking back to the cash register to see if anyone's looking. Hmm, I'm going to go here again. Think it's okay? No, you're in, you get it all. Hallelujah. This is the way it is in Christ. All that He has provided, all that He's paid for, he paid for it. You got up to the cash register and they said, oh, Jesus already paid for this for you. Go ahead and go on in. Here's a little ticket. Go to your table. Go sit down. And there's a pile of plates right over there. And, <laughs> and uh, have at it. You can have whatever you want. That is picturesque of the kingdom of God and what it means to receive Jesus. Once you're in, sins are paid, the, the promises, the, the bounty, the abundance of God's blessing and provision, it belongs to everybody. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And so we go around, take advantage of it, use it, to the, use it for our, our, you know, whatever we need in life. Amen. But how many know it's important to have the right mindset? In Christ, we're not begging God to do stuff. We're not trying to get Him to accomplish things. We're going and saying, all right, what have you provided? What have you made available to me in, in life? What promises are a part of this salvation package? And that's why we have, you know, a gazillion promises. Amen. A gazillion statements to tell us what exists in the spirit realm. Amen, amen. Wow, you're hardly letting me get beyond my introduction. <laughs> of, course, <laughs> of course, there is future as well. And make sure we know there's a future. The Lord's coming back. He's got a plan for your future, no doubt. There are things that are, that are foretold. There are promises given there that are future-oriented. But what I need to watch in my life is I'm not mixing up all the tenses and putting, putting what was into the future category as if it's out of reach and, and something I can't have. If he said it's done, if he said it's finished, if he said I have it, then I need to agree with that. Amen. Going forward, I believe the Lord will continue to provide and guide and lead us. And, and there are some things that he said would come to pass. They would happen. And I agree. And I believe these things are going to be the reality in our lives today. Amen. 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 And so uh, if you would uh, take a minute and look over at the book of Mark chapter 11. Uh, I have a bunch more to say, but I, I, we, we'll just cover this one um, today. Mark chapter 11 is one of the best passages, I think, whenever you're talking about belief and, and, and faith and overcoming uh, over in Mark chapter 11. But are we supposed to see, or, or excuse me, are we supposed to say what we see, or are we supposed to say until we see? Hmm. 
And again, many times we, we just are accustomed to or even tempted to just describe what we see in life. In other words, if something bad happens, we're good at describing the symptoms, describing the condition, the attack, the downfall, the trial, the test, and we can, we can describe it very well. And nowadays, it seems very common whenever someone's going through a, a challenge or a, a, an attack of some kind in their life, they not only say it with their mouth, but they post it on social media, and they keep this thing going. And I sometimes wonder, why are they doing that? I mean, if an individual is seeking help from a, someone, good. I, we help each other, and we want to pray for and minister to one another. But sometimes I'm, I'm concerned that we're spreading the wrong message. Meaning it's not a gospel message. It's not a good news. It's not a promise. It's not a testimony. It's a, uh, man, everything's falling apart, and that's all I have to say. I mean, if you were to take away the problem conversation, how many people wouldn't have, know what to talk about? And they wouldn't even know what to post on their social media. It's like, everything's fine. I don't know what to say. <laughs> because we've been so conditioned to walking by sight, walking by feelings. And if it's going wrong, we're good at describing it. We're good at letting that out. We, we may think we're being real or honest, and, and you might be real and honest, but it's not faith. Everybody with me today? We want to get to a place where, where God has a right to move and, and work in our mouths. Uh, but it seems that uh, the temptation is whatever happens, immediately it comes out of our mouth. I hurt and bam, it comes out. Something goes wrong, something's negative, bam, comes out of my mouth. When we ought to be looking this way, ought to be thinking a different way. And, and that is, I'm going to choose what I'm going to give voice to. All right, Whatever I give voice to... I, I empower, uh, I give authority to, I give it a right to exist. If it comes from the enemy, then I'm giving him power over my life by declaring it and speaking it. But if it is of God and it's of his spirit and it's of his word, I can give voice to that and I am basically inviting, accepting, embracing God moving and manifesting in my life. And so if I can watch this and put a filter on my mouth, it'll do me a whole lot of good. I mean, one of our biggest problems is right under our nose. Everybody say it out loud. Say me and my big mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Has your mouth ever gotten you in trouble? <laughs> I think all of us, have, our mouths have gotten us in trouble before. But this happens more so than just getting in trouble with a person, but it gets us in trouble with our beliefs because our beliefs are very much tied to what we say. And so, uh, did you find Mark chapter 11? Notice with me verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things, which he, those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now consider a few, uh, a few things from this verse for a moment. First of all, notice that the word saying or say is in there three times. And, the, and, and notice that the, the word believe or believes is in there one time. One time believe, three times say. Could it be that our saying has a huge impact on what we believe? And it is the case, uh, and we all want to have proper and right beliefs. That's what, what we're discussing. But I'm, my point is this, is sometimes we can't believe right because we don't guard our mouth. 
we continually say, 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 say the wrong stuff. And therefore our believer in our heart is altered to believe those things. And Jesus put a great emphasis here on believing, watch, not what God says. Not saying that's wrong, of course that's right to believe what God says. But that's not what his teaching was here. He didn't say, you just need to believe what God said. He said, you need to believe what you say. If you and I will believe our own words, mountains listen to us. Well, so I'm just praying that God will move my mountain. God doesn't move mountains. What verse is that? I don't mean he's not strong enough. I don't mean he's not capable. But he has delegated mountain moving to us. When there are mountains, I'm talking figurative mountain problems, issues, things that are in your way to get from where you are to where you want to be. There's a mountain, there's an obstacle, there's something that needs, needs taken care of. He did not tell us, ask me and I'll move your mountain. He said, listen, you need to talk to your mountain. And if you will believe the words that come out of your own mouth when you say it, it'll listen to you. What if it doesn't move? That means I didn't believe what I was saying. So that goes back to circles around, back to me identifying right and proper beliefs. What do I believe about that mountain? Some people have been told, that mountain is the will of God for you. Well, why would he tell us to move it then? Some people have been told, well, you just need to, you know, describe your mountain. Get it all out. (laughs) It's a big mountain. It's a, oh, it's a dark mountain. It's It's a problem mountain. It's a painful mountain. My mountain, I mean, it's way worse than your mountain. And someone else describes their mountain, and you say, oh, yeah, that's bad, but let me tell you what happened to me. <laughs> let me tell you about my mountain. And people will want to one-up each other on how negative they can be. <laughs> and uh, listen, I got x-rays of my mountain. Let me, <laughs> let me show you my mountain. And they've got x-ray, and they've got reports, and they got, and all kind, and they're experts at describing their mountain. And Jesus didn't say, describe your mountain. He didn't say, pray about your mountain. He said, what? Speak to your mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we would believe, what? The things that we say would come to pass. Then we'd have whatever we say. And can you see that, uh, that what we say being true, being on purpose, being accurate is very, very important. If I'm just loose with my words, um, I'm not going to believe what I say. And so when I have a challenge and I go up to use, to use my faith and, and speak to this situation, I don't believe my words. My words don't carry any weight. They just, you know, there's no firepower behind them. Uh, I would encourage you, encourage you to be watchful um, about using sarcasm. And uh, I know it's funny sometimes, and I've used it plenty myself. I'm not throwing any stones. Uh, I'm just saying, if you, if you constantly say the opposite of what you mean, how does that affect your heart? See, it has a negative effect upon you. It does. And then when you go to say something, and you need that to be real and alive and powerful and taking out mountains, uh, well, you, you often say the opposite. And so your mountain going, huh, do they mean that or do they mean the opposite of that? Amen. Uh, be intentional. If you start to do this, you will find 
if you're really serious about this, some of it can be discouraging because you, you start realizing how often you say things you don't mean, how often you just let words fly. They weren't in, on purpose. They're not intentional. They're not creating any kind of help. They're just kind of random thoughts. And, and, and when we recognize the power that God placed within us to have creative language that would speak and change circumstances, I mean, how, how did you get saved? You didn't get saved because the Father said, Jesus is Lord. You got saved because you said it. If you're, if you're saved, if you're in the family of God, at some point you said, Jesus, I confess your Lordship in my life. See, it doesn't matter that God said it. It matters that you say it. It doesn't, he wants, me, he wants it to be true. He wants all of us to enjoy his best. But we've got to say, we've got to believe and say what he says for it to become a reality in our existence. See, can you see here that this is why we can say your words are more powerful than God's words. Now, some might need to chew on that and say, oh, I can't believe you even said that. I'm not talking about the whole plan of God and all of eternity and everything, but I'm talking about in relationship to our lives. He can say one thing, but we have the right to say, no, I don't believe that. I don't accept that. I, no, that's not true. He says, look, everything's going to be fine. And you say, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't know how that's going to happen. He says, look, I'm, I'm going to supply all of your needs. And you say, I don't know how. Man, I need to do something. See, what you're doing is overriding His words. You're overriding His promises, and He will honor that. Yeah? These things work for the good and for the bad, for the positive and for the negative. And if we'll learn to be strategic, on purpose, guard our tongues, and the moment you start saying something that's contrary to God's word, you go, bam! <laughs> and stop it. Say, oh, sorry if you're around people. Actually, I didn't mean that. Uh, and you'll start to change and, and, and adapt, and, and your faith will, will, will soar. Amen. Praise God. Much more to say. Let me just say this. Uh, years ago, I was uh, back in 1987, to be exact. Uh, I was milking cows in those days. This was in between. I'd done some college, and I hadn't gone to Bible college yet, and I was getting ready to go. But, but I, had, uh, I had severe, severe back, lower back pain. And I was milking cows every day, so I'm on my feet all day long and bending over just a little bit to milk them, you know, and put the machines on and do all this stuff. And so I'm doing this, and I'm on my feet all day long. And pain, 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 pain. It was hurting. And, and, uh, uh, and I'd go into the house at night, and I'd shower and change my clothes, and I'd try to put on my shoes, and I couldn't even tie them. See, in the barn, we wore boots, so I could do that. Uh, but... Uh, afterward, I didn't wear boots. I wore shoes, tennis shoes and stuff. And I couldn't tie my shoes. You know why? Because I couldn't bend over. And it wasn't because my stomach was so big. <laughs> uh, but it was because I couldn't bend over. My back was in such pain. I'd have to lay on the ground. I'd lay on my back and pull my knee towards me like this. And then I would, I would tie my shoes that way. That's kind of annoying. <laughs> and, 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 I went, and I went and I, I saw a, a chiropractor. And he did his thing and did his thing several times and said, and it didn't help and it didn't work. And he said, well, you're done here. <laughs> he said, I don't know what else to do. I, I can't do that. I can't do anything else. Um, 
for that problem. And, and so uh, that was probably one of the best things that happened. Uh, because once you realize that man doesn't have an answer for you, sometimes, not everyone does this, but sometimes you'll say, okay, Lord, it's all you now. There's no plan B. There's no backup. There's no, if, you, if this doesn't work, then I'm going to do this other, other deal. It was, okay, here we go. Let's believe God. And so I did. And I, I got in faith, and I believed God, and it wasn't instant by any means. But here's what I did. I started using my, my words, three to one, over belief, because uh, my believing was being altered by my words. And I'd be milking the cows, and I'd be saying, thank you, Lord, by your stripes, I am healed. Ouch. By your stripes, ouch, I am healed. And, uh, and I, your life is in me. Your power is in me. My back is whole. I call it strong. I say that I am healed in Jesus' name. And I'm not saying that to everybody else. I'm saying that to myself before the Lord. All right? I'm I'm identifying, I'm acknowledging His promise as being superior to my condition, to what I see and feel. I'm saying, that's subject, man. This has got to go. I am. I declare it healed. And I would say it hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of times. All right? I'm not trying to move God or convince Him to do anything. He already did it in Jesus. When He was raised from the dead, it was done. It was settled. That's why the Scripture, past tense, says, by His stripes we were healed. 1 Peter 2.24. Okay? And so I would just say that verse. Anything wrong with saying the Word of God? No, but there's a whole lot right about it. And I did that. And over that, that summer, it, it, it was several weeks, but I was healed. Because I remember the first time, because before that, I couldn't even sneeze. My, I'd go, you know, you you'd go to sneeze, like... Because my back wouldn't, it was just like uh, all tighten up and, and I couldn't even get that out. I remember one day I sneezed. I thought, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God because I could, I could finally move. I remember telling a, showing a friend because he had known of my condition. And, uh, and I met him one day and I shook him and I said, hi, how's it going? I said, watch. And I bent over and I touched my toes. All right. And now I feel it in my hamstrings, but that's a different issue. <laughs> I, I, I bent over and, 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 and touched my toes, and he was like, he knew what was going on. Praise God and thank God for that healing. But here's what I had to do: it wasn't that I was in denial of there being a problem. I was just acknowledging that some, something superseded the physical realm, and that which is remember we read a couple of weeks ago that which is seen is changeable, it's temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal, it's immovable. So I used the unseen to move the scene. I used the word and promise and scriptures, and I used them to change my physical reality, and it literally did change my body. Hallelujah. And I tell you, if it, if it worked for the blind guys, good. It worked for the guy with the demon-possessed son. It worked for, for me and my back. It worked for others. A guy came to me today and said, I was here Wednesday night, He's, and he was describing his, uh, his, his ankle. Is that you? Yeah. Your foot. No, but <laughs> another time, though, I was thinking, he was in the earlier service, and there he is again. <laughs> and, uh, but, he, but, but he got, on Wednesday night, got, got healed and had it for 30-some months or something, 38 months. And, uh, and see, what, what, what we're doing is we're taking the unseen and changing the scene. How are we doing that? We're saying what God says, not what we see and feel. And we're using the power of the tongue, we're using it to alter our own beliefs, and then to express and move mountains.